Luke 23:32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they, were cruci- they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again, Westside. We're glad that you're here. And before I dive in to the sermon today, um, You know, sometimes whenever you come in on Sunday, there's a lot going on, and I get the pleasure and the board and Pastor Tyler and those who are involved kind of get to see what is taking place um, in this room on a Sunday, and we've been walking through some heavy things the past couple of weeks in this series. We're talking about death, the inevitability of it, what happens to us after we die, all of those things in order to prepare our heart and mind for Easter, we said that that Jesus isn't a solution if death is not a problem. And so we've been looking at the problem pretty heavily the past couple of weeks. And as we have done that, we have also offered an invitation. And we have said that that death has been defeated and that Jesus has conquered the grave. And, And if you want to accept that invitation to become a follower of Christ, um, that you can do that. And Westside, in the past two weeks, we have had seven people give their life to Jesus. That is something that I never want us to get used to. Um, I mean, you see miracles in the Bible and the parting of the Red Sea or fire coming down from heaven or whatever, but the scriptures teach that when someone crosses from death to life, that it is the greatest miracle that God does. God is still saving people. He is still accomplishing his will. And I love what Jesus even says in the scriptures. He says that heaven celebrates, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so Westside, again, heaven loses its mind and celebrates and just has a party because the population has increased. So again, can I say to you, and could we get a little bit excited, that in the past two weeks, God has performed a miracle and seven people have crossed from death death to life in this church. Are we excited? 
about that. Yes. Yes, and amen. And listen, if, if it's your first time here, we believe that God has a purpose for this church, um, that we have a vision. And, and, and the vision is this, is to see people transformed by the gospel, experience life in community, and to live their lives on mission for the glory of God and the good of their neighbor. And listen, Westside, God is accomplishing this. This mission is being accomplished through the proclamation of his word and through the dedication of his people just like you. So listen, I never want us to get used to this. I never want us to just expect that something like this is just getting accomplished and never stop being in awe that the God that created the universe is in our midst and working among us. So we have much to celebrate and much to be thankful for. And listen, today, I want to be very brief, and that might be another miracle that God performs today, <laughs> that I am brief. And so um, I was having a conversation with somebody, and, and they knew the topic today was going to be a bit more on heaven and they were like, yo, man, the past couple of weeks have been difficult, uh, and, and you're talking about heaven today. Are you excited? Is today going to be a little bit easier? And the reality is um, that it's not, that, that it's actually harder, um, because the scriptures actually say this when it comes to the idea of heaven. In John 3, Jesus says, have I told you about earthly things and you do not believe? How will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? He's having a conversation with one of the religious elite, and they're not understanding what he's saying, and he's going, listen, you don't even understand when I tell you about earthly things. How can you expect to understand when I tell you about heavenly things? And then the apostle Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians says these words. He says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, anytime a preacher preaches on heaven, he always uses that verse. But it's not the whole verse. There's actually a second part to that verse, and I have no idea why YouTube is popping up right now. That's crazy. But the second part to that verse is... But God has revealed these things by his spirit. And so we actually can know and we can understand what God has for us. But the only way that we can do that is if we pray and we ask God to open up our hearts and minds. So if you would, would you bow your head right where you're at and let's pray and ask God to reveal this to us. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you today. And we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds. God, we pray Psalm 119.18, that you would open up our eyes, that we would behold wondrous truths from your law. We cannot begin to understand eternity and what you have for us, God. But we know that you can by your spirit. And so we ask that you would move in our midst today. We pray all of these things in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, diving in, um, in verse 43, have your eyes on scripture. Jesus says something very significant to one of the thieves on the cross. 
when that thief recognizes that he is a sinner and that Jesus is who he said that he is, Jesus says these words, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I could preach an entire sermon on that one verse, every single word. Jesus begins and says, truly, truly. Um, that's really important when God says, this is true, this is true. Listen to this. And then he says this, I say to you today, immediately, you will be with me in paradise. So in this series and the questions that we've been asking, and particularly this week, we are asking the question, where do I go when I die? And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago of some of those significant places that we go. And today Jesus gives us a hint about this idea of paradise. And so listen, the big idea and the thesis today is really, really good news. And I want you to jot this sentence down and it's this. When a believer exits this life, they immediately enter into the presence of Jesus. That when a believer exits this life, they immediately enter into the presence of Jesus. Now, we've talked about that there's some gray area. There's, um, it's, it's difficult to know um, immediately the descriptions of where we go. And, and we've said this. We've said that um, the new heaven and the new earth and the streets of gold, Revelation 21 and 22, that's the final state. And we actually had a graph that was explaining sort of what all of this looks like. And when a believer dies, when, when somebody dies, they get buried, go into the ground. And their spirit goes to one of two places, Hades, which we learned about last week, or paradise, which is what Jesus refers to now. Then everything else is going towards the great judgment or the resurrection of the dead. And when that happens, then the new heaven and new earth or the eternal place of punishment known as hell take place. And today we're going to look at this understanding of where Jesus is and what it means that we go with him immediately whenever we die. And so listen, I know the kids' side kids are in here, and sometimes you as parents feel very ill-equipped to answer these questions. Maybe you've had a, a, a family member pass away. Maybe you've seen tragedy. And man, these little guys and girls ask intense questions. And for you as a parent, you go to your manual. That doesn't exist, right? Um, and you're like, man, how do I answer this? What do I say? And, and listen, kiddos and parents, here's one thing that I can affirm and say to you based upon the authority of Scripture, that when somebody who loves and follows Jesus dies, they are immediately with Jesus. That's the big idea. That's the most important thing that we can know and understand. Now, Oftentimes, the word that's associated with being in the presence of Jesus after we die is what the, the word that the Bible uses is called heaven, okay, is heaven. Now, it's not that new heaven and new earth that we were talking about, but it's a really, really, really good place. And just a few stats, the word heaven is mentioned over 500 times in the scriptures, Jesus mentioned heaven about 70 times in the book of Matthew alone. It appears in the very first verse of the Bible. 
God created the heavens and the earth. It's also mentioned in the last chapter of the Bible. He showed the great city descending out of heaven from God. 54 um, of our uh, books of the Bible, 54 out of the 66 books mention the word heaven. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is shaman. You have to like, you know, it's like you have phlegm, which literally means the heights. And in the Greek, the New Testament word is aronis, which is actually where we get the name of the planet Uranus, which means high and lofty. So heaven literally means that it's high up and that that's where God is. And so listen, very briefly, I want to help you maybe as parents and you as kids' side kids to understand what heaven is by teaching you just this very simple acronym. Maybe you want to write this in the cover of your Bible. Each letter is going to represent an aspect that we know from the scriptures. And you can write that correlating scripture right out to the side. Put that in the fly leaf of your Bible. So anytime your kids ask you, or where, where did grandma go? Where is grandma? Paul, we can understand the beauty of what heaven is. So the first thing is this, H, home. It's what we're made for. It's what we're made for. In John 14, the words that were read to you say this, Jesus is speaking on the night that he's getting ready to die. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. Can I pause just really quickly here? Um, Maybe you're in here today and your heart is troubled. Maybe it's weighed down. Maybe the anxieties of this world and the heartache of this world from bills to pay to the sickness that is wreaking havoc in your body has your heart and mind troubled. Do you know what Jesus says to his disciples? That if your heart is troubled, you need to think about heaven you need to think about the final destination of where you're going. And he says this, in my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have even told you that? I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Very simply this, Jesus says, you need to understand that where I'm going is home in my father's house. And what's interesting is the word that he uses for house is the equivalent of what we would say like an apartment. It's, it's a temporary place until the new heavens and the new earth. But do you know what's awesome? Jesus says, I go and I'm preparing the place for you. So think about when you have guests coming over to your house or kids. Whenever your mom comes into your room and goes, we have dinner guests and they're coming over and you have to shove all that stuff into your closet and your house has to look like you don't actually live there because somebody's coming over, right? Think about this. Jesus is preparing a place for us. And do you know what's incredible? Think about how beautiful. Think about the most beautiful place that you've ever been to on this earth. Whether it be the mountains, whether it be the ocean, whether it be looking at the Milky Way, and think about this, that took God six days. I don't even think it took him all six days. And Jesus has been working on this ever since he went to heaven. So how incredible is this place going to be? Do you know what else I love? That this place now is not our home. 
And it should feel that way to you as believers. Um, anytime that I travel and, and I stay in a hotel or something like that, it's, it's like it's all my stuff that I need is there, but, but that's not home. That's not my bed. That's not my shower. That's not, and it just doesn't feel right. That's what earth should be like for believers. We just, there, there should be almost a level of angst with us. And there's desires that we have in our heart that we don't even see fulfilled here on earth. But I love what the great C.S. Lewis said. He said this, that if we don't desire, that's actually my sentence, if we don't desire heaven as home, we have to ask ourselves, am I too comfortable here? If we don't think about how beautiful heaven is, then that means that we're too comfortable here. And what C.S. Lewis says is, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And the answer is yes. You were made to be with God. H is for home. It's what we were made for. The second thing is this. E, eternal. It never ends. It never ends. First Peter chapter 1 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here it is, verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading. Here it is. Kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter says that this is the place. That it's eternal. That it's unfading. That it never ends. What's interesting is sometimes when we think about that, that could almost scare us. Like almost it never ends. Is that a good thing? That could be a bad thing. But I want you to think about it this way. Anytime that we go on vacation or we go to our Aunt Bebe's who has a house on the beach and we hang out there for a week, when we pull out of her driveway and we say goodbyes, our kids always cry. Don't want to leave Aunt Bebe's. Why can't we just stay and then I'll never forget one time when Roman said, when we were driving off, and I said, you okay, bub? And he said, yeah, I'm just sad. And he said this, why do things have to end? Why do things have to end? I don't want you to think about eternity as being scary of never ending. I want you to think about the good and beautiful moments that you've had. Those will never end in heaven. That it's always those moments that we have here on earth are but a glimpse of what we will have for all eternity. H, it's home. E, it's eternal. And then the third thing, A, absent. Absent. What does that mean? Well, it means that it's perfect. It's absent of anything bad. Sin, death, sickness, tears. Philippians chapter 3 says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. That word transform means to change and to make new. And our body will be like Jesus' body. Listen, there is a day where there's no more funerals. There is a day where there's no more hospitals. 
There is a day where there's no more tears. And so when we think about heaven, we think of it being absent of everything that is bad. For to be with God is to be in perfection. H, it's home. E, it's eternal. A, it's absent. And then V stands for victory. That it's all about Jesus. The Apostle John in Revelation 1 says this, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. What, what Jesus is saying is that it's over. That it's been accomplished. And, and listen, this might not be holy. This, I mean, this might be undignified and you might get offense at this, but this is just the way my mind works. I posted it this week on social media. Anytime I read this verse, I just always think of this picture. I mean, Jesus is the heavyweight champion of the world. He gets two holy waters tossed to him. He smashes them together. Jesus has won. He has defeated everything and he holds the belt. But listen, I need you to understand Understand something that heaven is all about Jesus and I understand that we have loved ones who have gone before us and we will see them and it will be beautiful but but I am very weary and I am very um, troubled by Christians who hurry up and read the new 23 minutes in heaven book or this that or the other and they've never even read their Bible but rather they, they, they get something fed to them when they don't have a basis for what God has already said. At the end of the day, anytime heaven is described, it's described as Jesus being at the center of it. I love what William Barclay, the theologian, said. For the Christian, heaven is where Jesus is. We do not need to speculate on what heaven will be like. It is enough to know that we will be forever with him. That that's the key. And so I do have a question. When you think about heaven, do you think about Jesus? Or about, how about this way? Would heaven still be heaven to you if Jesus wasn't there? Is your picture of heaven, and listen, I'm not downplaying the loved one. That is, that is going to be so magnificent. I don't even think that we can understand what it's going to be like. Not to just only see our loved ones who've gone before us, but to see them in perfection, in beauty, and in holiness. But at the end of the day, it's where Jesus is. The goal of following Jesus is Jesus not anything else. So it's V, it stands for victory. And then the fifth thing is this, E, enjoy. It's not boring. It's not boring. Matthew chapter 5 says this, Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you, but your reward is great in heaven. I think that Hollywood and Hallmark has done a great disservice to us as Christians. It is not going to be a cloud playing a harp. I don't even like harps, okay? Like, that's not going to be like babies in diapers for all eternity. That's like really troubling, okay? What it is, is it's perfect pleasure. 
And, and, and listen, here's the sentence. The point of pleasure is to point us to the God who created it. And so we teach our kids now that when you eat ice cream, praise be to God, right? That when you eat ice cream and you enjoy it, why did God give us taste buds? Why did God allow us to, to enjoy beautiful music or to see the ocean or to see pleasurable things? Because that pleasure is supposed to point us to the God that gave us that. But the problem with sin is that we worship pleasure rather than the God that gave us that. And so if we have pleasure here on earth, can you imagine the pleasure that is held for us in heaven? It is that place, E, to enjoy it forever. And then the last one is this, in, now. It starts now. Heaven begins now. Jesus says these words, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of of you. That, listen, the point of this message and the point of the teaching of the Bible is not to just get you into heaven, it's to get heaven into you now. That eternal life begins now. That's what the life of a believer is. So as the worship team comes and leads us in a time of response, I want us to understand something. And even you kidside kids, to begin to try to grasp all of eternity and something that's so beautiful. Heaven, H, it's home. It's what we were made for. E, it's eternal, that it never ends, that it's that beautiful, perfect moment that will continue forever. Uh, forever. A, that it's absent of anything bad, anything of sin, any tears, any sickness. H, E, A, and then V, victory. That it's about Jesus being the champion. That heaven is all about Jesus. E, it's for us to enjoy him always. And then in, that that happens now. No eye has seen and no ear has heard or no heart can begin to understand the beauty that God has prepared before us. And can I tell you this? Why does the New Testament, why does the Apostle Paul why does John write to these Christians who are being murdered, who are being persecuted, who are undergoing physical suffering, and he always champions heaven and says, keep persevering, keep persevering. And then Paul says this in the book of Romans, for this light momentary affliction does not compare for the eternal weight of of glory that God has prepared for us. So Westside, if you would stand to your feet right where you're at and with every head bowed and every eye closed, Heavenly Father God, we come before you today thanking you for your goodness and your kindness to know that all of the suffering, all of the difficulty, all of the acts of obedience, all of those things in the end come together in such a way that it's hard for our minds to understand. And so I pray that through the power of your spirit today, 
that we would begin to understand the beauty, the perfection that you have for us. But what I really pray, God, is that in every heart and that in every mind, that we would feel it in our bones, that we will get to see Jesus. We'll get to hug him. We'll get to see the scars on his hand. We'll get to ask the questions. We'll get to worship him forever. And then we'll realize this is what it was all for. This is it. Everything in all of eternity, everything in all of creation, everything in my life led me to this moment. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would be remiss that maybe some of you today are like that thief on the cross, that you've lived your life your way and it's only paid you in brokenness and in heartache. But today Jesus offers you that the door to heaven is wide open for any who would want to enter. But just like that thief on the cross, we have to own our responsibility. He said, I am here justly. Jesus doesn't deserve this, but I do. We call that repentance. And in just a moment, I'm just going to pray. Nothing special about this prayer. It's not magic. But what it is, is it gives you the opportunity to confess and say, yes, I am a sinner and I do need a savior. So for the first time, maybe you've never done this. Maybe you don't know what it is to be a follower of Jesus, but you want to do that. Just right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, you can just repeat this with me and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, save me. I confess that I'm a sinner and I believe that you have paid for my sin. Remember me in your kingdom. And just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to embarrass you in this place today, but we want to be able to celebrate and I want to be able to see you. If you prayed that for the first time, I just want you to raise your hand just right where you're at so I can pray for you and love you and thank you. Yes, God, we thank you so much. We know that heaven will be populated because of your good news and that ultimately everything in our lives is heading this direction. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. We love you and we thank you and we pray all of these things in the victor's name, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. If you're a baptized follower of Jesus Christ, we have the elements of communion here for you. If you would grab those and go back to your seat.
say this, that heaven is not for good people. We often get that very mistaken. Heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for forgiven people. That what we partake in now is not a reward for obeying, but it's medicine for a broken, weary heart. So the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he sat at the table and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me you can partake Heavenly Father may we recognize right now in this moment that even in the depths of the maturest Christian's heart we still fight the idea that if I obey then God will love me and he's more proud of me. But what makes grace so radical is that your love comes first, that you love us so now we are free to obey. God, I believe that we will be shocked and astonished who we find in heaven because your grace is so radical. Forgive us for trying to put it in a box and for giving grace to ourselves, but judging other people by a different standard. May this humble us. May this level us. In Christ's name, I invite you to open the cup portion. Likewise, he took the cup after the bread and said, this cup is my blood which is poured out for you in the new covenant. So whether you eat this bread or you drink this cup, you do this in remembrance of me. You can partake. Heavenly Father, you are a good father and you have a house prepared for your children. And what we do know about heaven is this, that the worship service didn't start at 10 o'clock today, but rather the worship has been going on for all of eternity. We joined a worship service today. So would you in this next moment, God, just break through and let heaven and earth collide together in what's called the thin place where we can't.